It's time for Watch and Learn, the show where we discuss the life lessons we learn from the movies we watch. Today, Hunter Killer. Hey, movie maniacs, my name is Sky, and I'm here with my brother Dusty. How is it going, Dust? Good, buddy. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Thank you. What you been up to? We haven't talked in a, oh, probably like a week or so. Yeah, it's been a week. But if you remember last time, I talked about going hunting. So I went hunting and it was super fantastic. Cool beans. What did you get? I mean, if it's fantastic, I've got to assume you caught something, right? I sure did. I, well, it's not really catching. It's more like shooting something. Yeah, gotcha. but, uh, so I went up hunting for a deer. The first day I hiked at least three miles uphill and three miles downhill is about a 2000 foot climb in elevation, trying to find deer in a certain area in Arizona. Um, saw a lot of sign and tracks, but didn't see any deer. So I switched and went to like, I want to say a hundred miles more North to find a different location to find more deer. Anyway. So I actually picked up the boys. So the first day I went by myself because there's going to be lots of hiking and the kids, the boys wouldn't have liked it. The, I drove back the next day, picked up the boys and then my two boys and drove all the way with them. We were only going to go for one night, you know, camp one or hunt one night camp that night and then hunt in the morning and come home. But the first night, right when we pull up this one spot, I just picked it on the map. I said, hey, it looks like there's water here. Here's a road I can drive on and drove on the road. And within, I want to say... 15 minutes, we saw a whole pack of like seven deer and one or two bucks in there. And so we were like, okay, we know where the deer are at. Now we got to find them again. So it took two days. And what was really great was we found them in one location on what left, just think of the road, like a dirt road driving down um, in the mountains. On the left-hand side is where we saw the deer at first. So we didn't know if the deer were further left beyond that or were on the opposite side of the road to the right. Like where is their normal habitat? Because they kind of rotate and um, not really rotate, but they're like, they're at form out of habit um, at deer or habit, habit animals. And so they stick to where they know. And so we, the next day we drove all the way past the left and kept going. Didn't see much signs, didn't see them. The next day after that, we saw them on the right-hand side um, past. So we, we first saw them on the left. Then there's a dirt road, and on the right side, we hiked maybe a good, I don't know, mile back, and then found the deer again. So we knew a general area of where they were, and in the middle of that, we saw eight elk just walking around. It was super awesome. I didn't have an elk tag, or else I would have got the bull that I saw. So it was elk hunting season at the same time? There, It is, but I didn't have the tag. I didn't get yeah. drawn for that tag. Um, it's a lottery system. So really super awesome. Um, so it was first Saturday, then Sunday, then Monday came around. We saw them on Monday morning on the very right-hand side of the road. And then, uh, or sorry, right-hand side of the road, but but a mile away. And then that was in the morning. And when you usually hunt, you hunt in the morning and hunt at night because deer during the middle of the day, you know, rest because they're nocturnal, nocturnal animals. They, they, they um, walk around at night because that's when hunt or uh, not hunters, but like uh, predators go after them. So they're always walking around at night. So they hunker down during the middle of the day. And so we see them in the morning walking around and then we think, okay, I know about where they are. And it was so great. Um, I thought to myself, okay, I know where they are. And I couldn't get a good shot on them because they just ran off because they heard the boys, you know, throwing rocks and stuff. But um, it was great. I said, okay, it was like 10 a.m. I thought, you know what? I'm going to be at 3.30 to 4 o'clock. I'm going to be going on the right-hand side of the road. 
I know they, they like the left-hand side of the road, and they're staying on the right-hand side of the road. So we get there at 3.30. We hike uh, maybe a good a mile walking to where we're, because we don't want to park right where we're going to be. We want to distract them or, you know, alert them. So we walk very, very slowly, get behind a boulder at about 3.45 to 4 o'clock, and no kidding, four minutes later. Like, I'm just standing there looking around all, like, 360-degree view around everything. Remember, this is in the woods, so there's trees everywhere. I'm looking everywhere, and four minutes later, three or four minutes later, like, oh, crap, there's a deer on the right-hand side where I thought they would be. There's one, and then there's two. There's a whole pack of, like, seven of them. And I get hunkered behind a big boulder and I'm getting ready. I put my rifle on the boulder. So I'm spotting which deer it is that I could shoot because I can only shoot bucks. And um, so there's like six or six or seven females and one buck. And my oldest, Elias, says, hey, dad, should we plug our ears? Because, you know, the gunshot's loud. And I say, yeah, it's going to be a little bit. I got to make sure I get a good shot, but it'll be a little bit. So he plugs his ears and Xander, our uh, my seven-year-old, plugs his ears and he's hunkered behind a different, like smaller rock. And all of a sudden <laughs> I hear... <laughs> he falls asleep and i my heart's racing because i'm not ready to shoot a deer so if you've ever hunted before you know what it is it's called buck fever the adrenaline just spikes it's 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 amazing the feeling so i'm all pumped pumped up with his adrenaline and my boy's sleeping, <laughs> He's sleeping <laughs> yep. there. and so anyways you know one deer passes by they're kind of meandering around they're going in a certain direction so i know where they're going i finally get one good view of the buck and then i get a good shot angle at him there's still trees about 130 yards out so trees everywhere i have one shot to take and so um i get ready he comes he can't really see me but he stops and looks between two trees and looks at me and the only shot that i have is right at his shoulder um they hopefully get into his lungs and so boom i took the shot and dropped him he literally drop to the he didn't move from there usually when you hit a deer if you hit him in the lungs or even in the heart they'll run like their adrenaline's still pumping they'll keep running even though the hearts but this guy dropped he didn't move a muscle so we lay there for another uh 20 minutes make sure he's expired um but it was a perfect shot he he was like literally what do you mean out. you lay there so you sit back and just wait so that he doesn't get up and run or correct because if he gets up and run that's a lot extra work to try to track the blood and track where he goes because they can run for maybe a good half a mile on adrenaline so if he's like resting or faking it or just really in pain you just leave him there let him bleed out correct yeah i gotcha yeah so if you get a good shot they drop like that and there he was i mean he bled out quick i mean he didn't even move from a spot and so um what was also amazing was after that so we waited about 20 30 minutes i watched that whole herd leave and keep moving keep moving they go over the next hill and then I'm getting ready. Okay, boys, let's get up. And we all stand up. We start walking. And then I see a whole nother herd of deer going right up towards where my deer was that I shot. I go, stop, boys, stop. Because I just wanted, I'm not going to shoot another deer. I already got one. Um, And I just wanted to see what would happen. The whole herd, I want to say it was like eight more female, more, more does walk up. They get, one of them gets close to the buck and sees the buck. And then, because they don't see us, we're, we completely stand still. And they take off running like bolt of lightning the back way. And what, as soon as one takes off, they all take off. Yeah. And so, you know, there was a little fawn there with them. There, the, the guy, the buck that I shot, there was a bunch of does there. I shot them anyways. They're all, it's, it's good eating. And so, um, 
you know, the, the deer take care of themselves. They don't really don't defend themselves very often. They just run, you know, if one gets taken, they run. So anyway, so I got that deer. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll have pictures on the show notes page of me and the boys, but, um, what was great was they got to see the entire process from, from finding them to stalking them, to shooting them, to skinning them, taking the guts out, taking the meat off, all that sort of stuff. It's great. And really the reason why I started hunting was to feed the family. Number one, but number two, if there was ever, what I think I started watching, um, walking dead at the time. I was like, man, I better learn how to hunt. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I started hunting, but yeah, super terrific. My boy started snoring in the middle of the hunt. I'm glad we were still 130 yards. They wouldn't be able to hear it, but yeah, it was great. So how have you been? Oh, really good, man. Your story's awesome. Congratulations on that. Um, thank you. Yeah. Uh, for me, I just finished a book called anything you can imagine. It's all about Peter Jackson and the making of Middle Earth. And it's like 550 page book, humongous thing, but it was just awesome uh, hearing a lot of behind the scenes stories, what they went through, what they went through, the trials and tribulations of putting together a gigantic movie. Um, and then so after having read this book, I, you know, I've got to go back and watch all the extended editions <laughs> of the three movies. So I'm going back and, you know, each movie is roughly three or like three hours and 20 minutes. So uh, read the book, a lot of time reading the book and now a lot of time reading the movies with the family. Was that him, Peter Jackson himself writing it? No, it was a guy from, uh, his name is Ian Nathan. Uh, he had really good access during the time of filming and during a lot of the post-production. Like, I think probably during sometime during the filming of the movies, he probably contacted Peter Jackson and said, Hey, I want to eventually write a book about this. So he got really good access, constantly went and visited the set, went down to New Zealand, interviewed everybody. Um, and, uh, and, you know, so I, it's not really an authorized, I'm sorry. It's not like a biography exactly, but it seems like it's authorized by Peter Jackson for sure. Very cool. Hey, I wanted to, I wanted to bring up, um, so last week you talked about, the Legend of the White-Tailed Deer Hunter. Do you remember yes. that? Uh-huh. So that first day, I hiked, um, like I said, two to three miles, and there was like 2,000-foot cl- vertical climb and and did a lot of hiking. Um, and that night um, – oh, sorry, sorry. I drove to the spot, then stayed that night. And that night, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and watch – Legend of a White-Tailed Deer Hunter. And I had Netflix and I had my, I have Verizon has unlimited plans. So I just tethered my phone to the computer and watched it while I'm camping and it worked out great. And so I would say I liked the movie, but at the same time, there were so many things I was like, as a hunter, I was like, what, what, come on. Yeah. yeah. Like carrying around that stupid blow up mattress. That thing uh-huh. has yep. got to be at least 30 pounds. Yeah. You are not carrying that on your back. And a tent. I mean, okay, I'm not going to go into the whole movie, but it was enjoyable. It was fun to watch. That kid, how in the world did that kid have an accent when the mom and dad didn't have accents? It was yeah, just, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was a it was a fun one to watch. The the bucks on there were, were beautiful and mm-hmm. uh really great seeing that stuff. Um but getting into now Hunter Killer, first in I'll get, we'll get to the beginning like you know talking about in general but hunter killer the first thing we see of this new captain he's hunting and what do you think he does he's a hunter or apparently he's a hunter because he has a recurve bow which is not a compound bow a compound bow is much easier you pull it back and it has cams on it that spin that you makes it much easier and it shoot for harder and farther and he you can hold that. it back longer and yes. take aim, right? Yeah. Because it, it you pull back at like 80 pounds of pressure and you hold it at like 30 pounds of pressure. So because yeah. it, it releases. He has a recurve bow, which is totally not. It's like a, a Legolas type bow. You need to yes. have a lot of strength <laughs> to shoot over that water and then shoot the buck. 
and to to not spook the butler. All that to say, what did you think I would it, it, when you saw that scene? What did you think I would be like, either irritated or have a, an issue with? Yeah, you know, I thought right away that a lot of it just felt off to me because I listened to Joe Rogan. He's talked a ton about hunting and a recurve bow doesn't make sense from trying to shoot a deer at 80 yards away or 100 yards, whatever it was, man. I don't think that's a possible shot, you know? And so I figured, yeah, it would have annoyed you for sure. Well, okay, so you're absolutely right. The, and, but I'm not against recurve. Recurve's fantastic, but that shot... My goodness, that that is that's a long, long shot. But but that's not undoable. I or sorry, that's not undoable. That's that is doable. Oh, I know what bummed you out. Him not taking the shot because baby deer's there. What the crap is that? That is so. <laughs> you had just stupid. mentioned it when you were talking about your hunting trip. You dropped the buck anyway, even with Bambi right there next to him. This is just Hollywood not really understanding hunting. And I, I I fully appreciate that they put that in there, you know, a hunting type scene in there, because I would say more than likely they don't have any clue about hunting, but the fact that they showed it in a positive light is really nice. Um, but dude, deer, can, uh, caribou, elk, in that deer family, they do not protect each other. I've seen one instance where there was a fawn being attacked by coyotes and um, the coyote that then um, deer came in and tried to protect the fawn, but there was like eight deer going after like one or two coyotes, and the the, the fawn got away. So deer are instinctively fleeing creatures. They do not defend themselves. A male buck would say, "All right, sorry, son," and take off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would not stay. And so if this guy were a hunter, he's like. Dude, this is a beautiful buck. It it's already produced a fawn, which I know is going to carry on the gene. Let's go ahead and take him out. You know, I I personally have never met a hunter that would pass up a a shot on anything because there's a fawn. So that's Hollywood for you. Anyways, beyond that, how what did you think? What do you think of the movie? Uh, the movie in general, I really enjoyed it, man. It was fun. It was exciting. A lot of suspenseful on the edge of my seat moments. And it was a two hour and 20 minute movie. And it really did not feel like it. There was no time when I thought about, oh, geez, what time is it? I want this over. Um, I really like the pacing of the whole story, how, how things played out. And it's, it's for me, it's a recommended movie. Um, I guess, you know, along with U571 and, of course, The Hunt for Red October, this is a really good submarine movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I did like the different, um, not really storylines, because it's all the same storyline. Well, it, it's like two different uh, two different teams going about two completely separate things with the same agenda. Yes, yes. Yeah. Very, very cool. And, I, I you know, when, when you have the, the female uh, NSA, I think she worked for you know, yeah, NSA or or CIA, whatever it was, but it was yeah. uh um uh what was it Linda Cardellini's character? Yeah, recommending to send in a uh, you know a group of seals. I think that's a great idea. Um, at least just to have a ready force there, and so that was really really cool. But you see the two different scenarios of the submarine trying to figure out what's going on, but then you also have the 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 Marines, not Marines, sorry, the, the Navy SEALs that are ready to actually get in there and do whatever they need to do, you know, in contingency. I thought that was really fun, fun storytelling. Totally, it was. And you know what's great? I did not, of course, as always, I did not watch the trailers. I didn't know jack squad about this movie other than what you said, hunter killer, submarine, doing submarine warfare stuff. That's all I knew. And then to all of a sudden see these uh the, this other team of people in the mix and we're not just in the water the whole time now we're on land and we got snipers and stuff it was such an awesome surprise for me not seeing that coming 
I agree. Because you remember, like, Hunt for Red October, I didn't see U571. Is that what it was? Yeah. Uh-huh. I never saw that. Um, oh, it's a good one, man. Matthew McConaughey uh, oh. and other really good actors. It's uh, highly enjoyable. Okay. I'll have to check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was thinking it was going to be, like, all submarines, um, which wouldn't be bad. But I'm just saying, I was like, wow, this is a very cool um, yeah. uh, way to, to tell the story and then them play together. Like, hey, we already have asset on the ground and we have this coming and let's get it work it out. Yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah, I agree so with you. I'm I'm with you. I didn't know anything. I just saw okay, a submarine. I saw I can't remember the captain's name from 300. Oh, Gerard Butler. Yeah, Gerard Depardieu. Mm-hmm. So I saw him on there. I thought, hey, it might be a good movie. You know, they're really publicizing it. Let's go and watch it. So I'm really glad I picked it. So I personally enjoyed it. And you're right. At any time, or sorry, at no time. I did not get a sense like, man, this is taking forever mm-hmm. or this is a long movie. I was like, it was super suspenseful. They did a really good job. Even just navigating through the minefield, you're super in under super sus, uh, suspense throughout the entire time. Without a doubt. And you know, that, that whole underwater scene looked really cool. It, it kind of looked like miniatures to me. Did it didn't feel like it was a hundred percent CG. It was like they built, you know how, cause I got Lord of the Lord of the Rings on my mind for that movie. They made bigatures, right? So it wasn't like a tiny little miniature that'll fit on a desk. They were, they were sets the size of houses. You know, it felt like that whole scene was like what they did in Lord of the Rings created a bigature of the submarine moving through it. It, it looked fantastic to me. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I thought it was, it felt, yeah, it didn't feel a hundred percent CGI at all. Almost, I, I was almost a little disappointed at how it looked. Like it didn't look mm. as real as I kind of thought it would. But at the same time, I didn't. I what? I wasn't completely disappointed. Like it. It was. Oh man, this looks like there's just you know, um, uh, Team America, and they're just yeah. having those guys, you know, in the little miniatures or whatever. But no, it wasn't bad at all. It just felt a little like it was. It just felt a little off. But then again, I've never been underwater watching submarines and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, but it was good. I I, I did like the CGI. Um, the storyline with the um, basically the, the taking over whatever, you know, like the a coup? Uh, having a coup. Mm-hmm. What did you think about that? Uh, it it made sense to me. Uh, the way he went about it didn't make too much sense. But just the fact that you know, a basically like a commander, a general, an admiral, whatever position he was, uh, going about and trying to seize control of the government and using a potential war to take that control, to take power, makes sense to me at least. Do you think that it was that he wanted power or is that he wanted the war and the power came with it? Uh oh, I, I just assumed that he wanted power. He wanted to rule everything, and the war is what he needed to be the one to take over the president's, you know, a coup to take over the government, the country. Huh. Okay. I I guess my perspective when I saw it that the general or commander general or whatever, he wanted to have a war, and in order to do that, he had to you know, take out the, you know, president and all that. So I have a, actually have a coup, but yeah. So, um, yeah, I didn't see that if he was like, uh, uh, you know, what is it like big military contractor wanting to make money, then yeah, just going to war is going to make him a ton of money and give him a ton of power. But I didn't see that aspect to it. Okay. Got it. So from the start of the movie, Seeing Captain um, uh, Gerard Depardieu, I thought he did 
really, really good job. As in all movies, he does a great job. Um, he really, really good actor. What did you think about the EXO constantly questioning his orders and really just <laughs> making himself look bad? Yeah, he did make himself look very bad right from the beginning. That's one of the lessons learned, which we'll get to later. But I wasn't too fond of his character at all. And it doesn't make sense if he got up to XO level. Did he get up to XO level starting from just a regular deckhand or whatever they're called? Did he get there because he kept questioning his boss's orders and they kept promoting him? <laughs> or, I mean, did he just suddenly turn a leaf and become negative Nancy? I I didn't get it. I'm, I'm not a fan of the way he approached the entire situation. And a brand new captain. Didn't make sense. And here's, I had two train of thoughts. Um, one came first, and I'll explain this one. The second one came after. So the first one was that... There's no way an XO would be questioning their um, their commanding officer like that. There's not no in front way. of the men. Not yet. Yeah, number one, not yeah, definitely not in front of the men, but continually, yeah. continually, and then the the commander, the, the captain, being as patient as he was with him. There's absolutely no way. I'll give you an example. So I have a friend who's in the Coast Guard, and he wasn't the captain of the ship. He was the one steering the ship. So the one steering only, literally, only does what exactly is told by the person who is um, either the commander or whoever the XO is or whoever's telling them what to do. Like if it's, you know, turn, um, you know, four degrees uh, west or whatever. I don't know what the terminology is, but they literally turn it four degrees to the west, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that's their order and they don't question that. And a friend of mine was in the Coast Guard and he said that he was, um, he was literally steering this huge, um, it wasn't like a battleship. It was bigger than a battleship. I mean, it was, it was gargantuan, really, really huge. And, um, so he's done it many, many times. He knows exactly where to go and how to do it, but he waits for the commander's orders, whoever's on, on the, the, uh, on the bridge to be able to tell them what to do. So the actual commander of a captain of the ship is gone. It's like the XO or somebody else is, is in there telling him what to do. And he's getting ready to pull into a port and he's realizing how fast they're going and the angle that they're going. And the captain says, you know, do this, you know, turn four degrees to the, to the West and, you know, go eight knots or whatever. I don't know. I'm just making it up, but he says something. And my friend who was steering question, he said, captain shoot or no, whatever his name is, you know, XO, are, are you sure? And <laughs> that's all he said. And the guy glared at him and said, yes. And he's, Okay, and he did it, and they ran into the dock and chucked, uh, chumped, uh, knocked chunks of concrete out of the dock, and it was it looked really bad. But you know, he's like, I couldn't do anything. I literally had to do exactly what he yes. wanted. That's what is done. Mm-hmm. And so, me knowing that, and most people knowing, you don't you don't backtalk your commander, your your uh, commanding officer, especially the captain of the ship. And over and over repeatedly without getting court-martialed or kicked out. Um, so I Lock his ass in the brig. That's what I would have said if I was the captain. <laughs> Put him in the torpedo tube and yeah. shoot him out. <laughs> exactly. So um, that was my first thought. I was like, there's no way that would happen. That's just crazy. But here's my other thought. The audience, us watching the movie... They could have done something differently, but this was a way for them to show us as the audience that what he's doing is completely like 
ab- not just uncalled for or never done before. Like it's absolute. You would not do any of this stuff like as imperative as it could be. And so I think that was their way to show that this is so severe what this captain is doing. Cause us, Oh yeah. yeah hey, hey, just bring them on. It's fine. It's fine. We do where it's okay, but we don't really know the severity of the situation. And so, oh. and what could happen. So that was my second thought was that was their way to help us to understand that you would never bring somebody else on the ship Number two, you would never bring him in the cap or you know in the uh, whatever is the the head head deck or whatever. Um, uh, you would never bring him in there. All that sort of stuff to help us as viewers realize the severity of the situation. That's interesting. That's an interesting idea, and that does make sense. You got to have somebody there. Uh, it's kind of like an exposition. Like he's he's basically uh, yeah yeah he's doing exposition, telling the audience by telling the captain uh, what he's doing wrong. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. It it did annoy me the entire time. He was negative Nancy uh, the whole way up until the very end. Then he was appreciative of the captain and everything he did. But up until that, it did bum me out. And it pulled me out of the movie because the whole time, just like you, I was thinking to myself, geez, that, that doesn't make sense. He he shouldn't be doing that kind of stuff. They could have done it in a, in a, you know, a couple of different ways that would have been a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm, I've always said many times I'm not creative, so I can't figure out a, a good way to do it. But just in my mind, that was one way that they used and they could have done it probably a better way. But, oh, well, you know, he was the one dr- like anchor on the movie that I was like, man, that just character is just not really sitting well with me. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, you know, watching this movie, it made me do a little bit of research on submarines and stuff. And you know, when he says all ahead one third or all ahead two thirds or full steam, not full, you know, full ahead, that kind of thing. Um, every submarine has its own kind of like operations manual. And there's a certain speed that every submarine is capable of going. So when you say full ahead, that means let's go max speed. If you say two thirds, that means let's go two thirds of that speed, you know? Yeah. And that was just something I've always wondered. What does that mean? And do you know what uh, bubble means? Well, shoot, I, I watch Star Trek. So I, you know, I've learned many stuff about being on the bridge. More than likely, it's being level. Yep, that's what it is. It's like yep. the bubble of a level. So if you say down bubble, it's basically saying, you know, we're not just going down. Like when you say the word bubble and attach a number to the end of it, that's the degrees that we're going down exactly. It's just a way yep. to 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 succinctly and very specifically communicate to your navigator or to the guy that's helming the ship, that's navigating it, exactly what you want as the captain or the guy who has the con, which is the guy who was just basically in charge of relaying orders and giving direction to the boat. You know? Yeah. You know what was interesting? Uh, I can't remember when, but at one scene, you see the female communications officer. And I thought to myself, geez, she's a female. Are women allowed to work on submarines? (laughs) And... Because, you know, it's it's generally all male crews, right? 95, 99% men, or up until then, or I should say up until 2010, 100% males. But in 2010, they made a policy change that women are allowed to work on submarines. But just seeing that just made me think, wow, that's that's weird. There's a woman on the boat. I, I wondered if that was a Hollywood thing, you know? Oh, so it, you, you actually looked it up in 2010? It, it, it made it okay? Yep. Yeah, I did a little research on that. Okay, so that brings me an, a thought of, because I thought the exact same thing. Like, what in the world is a female doing on a boat that is confined by men? Mm-hmm. You know, what, uh, there are other females on there because you saw the crew as he was going around and you saw other females on there too. And it's like, man, you're in a tight, tight space for a long time, you know, months at a time. You know, I don't, 
that could be a little dicey. And it got me thinking, you know, why would they have a policy in place in the first place where women would not be in there, you know, with, with men? It could be for many different reasons, but I mean, sexual things, that's, that's like the number one thing. It's making sure that nothing like that happens. Um, because <laughs> you, you know, the one thought is loose, li- loose lips sink ships. Well, you know, if somebody is loose with other things, you know, if you don't man your posts, hey, this guy's dating this girl that's on the ship and well, she stops liking him and like starts liking him over here and they start getting in fights and it's just a bad dynamic. But hey, they apparently they feel it's okay. And it might be great having females on a submarine. I just know that's a really cramped quarters and that is a recipe for some dangerous stuff. Seems like it would be. Yeah, but I guess if you have good discipline on the ship, a good captain and his other commanding officers below him, if they're all doing their job properly, I would imagine it shouldn't be a... I mean, yeah, it shouldn't be a problem, but yeah, you're right. It could become a problem for sure. I don't know. If if movies have taught me anything... It's actually going to happen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. But yeah. here's the funny thing: we would never hear about it. You know, if it actually happened in the military, we would never hear about it. Just be court martial or whatever, and then yep. move on. But oh well, hey, I'm not in the military, and that one of my my lessons learned is I will share that in a minute. That one of my lessons learned is a very good one that applies so similar to this. Okay, cool. We'll get to that real soon. A a few other things. I really liked how we had two different United States and Russia team-ups, you know, with Captain Glass and Captain Andropov uh, down in the submarine. And then up top, Captain Beeman, his SEAL team, along with Oleg, the president's detail, and then with the president. It was cool seeing how in two different instances, the same situation, Russia's, Russians, and United States citizens or military officers could work together to solve a problem. I like that. Yeah, I thought that was rather good. You know, obviously, what I'm going to say right now, currently, we're enemies, but we're not at war mm-hmm. um, with Russia, you know, outside of the movie. Um, but uh, we definitely you wouldn't, hey, let's let's help each other out. Well, they have the same goal in mind or the, you know, the same, same desired outcome. And one is saving the president from uh, being killed and also world war starting. So, yeah, really, really fun to watch. And... Um, I did like watching the seals in action. I did oh, think yes. it was a little. I didn't like the um, little peon guy. I can't remember his name. Like you know, Martinelli. Uh, Martinelli. I didn't. The guy like who how- saved them in the end with his sniping skills. That's fantastic. I mean, saved him the end with the sniping skills. But if he, if he was that inept, he would not be in the seals. That's so ridiculous. Like he was that inept. Wait, when uh, was everything. he inept? Well, he was uh, just asking questions and stuff. Well, not just asking questions, but let's say he's not able to perform running up the hill to get in the sniper and shoot in, um, in time. Uh-huh. You know, apparently other people have done it and he can't do it. That's number one. Uh-huh. Uh, number and this, <clears throat> I'm not a SEAL, so I have no clue if I'm saying anything that's right or wrong. <clears throat> it's just, okay, that's instance that, okay, he didn't perform up his snuff. Then he almost gets killed jumping from the airplane. You know, that's another, like, what what's going on there? Mm. And another thing where... Yeah, they're always constantly trying to, you know, uh, make sure he's okay, make sure he's safe. Like these guys depend on each other for their lives. If you can't count on somebody and depend on them for your life, if you have to be watching them, they should not be in the field with you. And so yeah. that whole character was just not fun for me to, I, I did like how he, he helped in the end, but man, in the way he got shot, Hey, you know, the, the uh, Russia guy, Russia guy, Oh, I heard something. Let me just shoot in the air. That's so stupid. That yeah. was absolutely ridiculous. They would mm-hmm. not if there was gunfire, people would cut like the, they would literally be sending teams. Yeah. So uh, Martinelli's character was way over the top in ineptitude. I thought that was really stupid. 
I got you there. And I, I really did not like how he had trouble uh, in the, like you said, in the uh, halo jump. It didn't it didn't make any sense to me at all. He, they should have all just landed and been fine. You didn't need that tiny bit of suspense for anything in the movie. Yeah, no, it didn't help at all. In fact, it made me more irritated. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the SEAL team was fun, though, seeing them go in and actually take out the you know, a number of bad guys and get the president out and seeing them sacrifice themselves. You know, even if it's for the president, it's for the greater of uh, you know, America and the world in general, because World mm-hmm. War would definitely be worse for everybody. And so I thought it was really, really cool seeing the SEALs other than Martinelli. He did, you know, kind of help out in the end and, and take out some bad guys. But for him to be in that one spot at the very end, like, oh, that's convenient. Good job. Yeah. Oh, totally. It was. Well, he they had that planned for sure. But I did like how uh, Captain Beeman jumped out of that mini sub to go save Martinelli. He wasn't going to leave his soldier behind. I completely agree. I was like, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't say got teared up, but I was like, yes, that's that's exactly what should happen. That's the right thing to do for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, you, you can't do anything different. I, I love that aspect. Um, uh, anything else before we move on to lessons learned? Uh, I'm trying to run through the movie in my mind because there were so many suspenseful parts. Mm-hmm. Oh, what did you think about the scene with the female president? Um, I was rather irritated. I was like, okay, a blonde female president. Were they hoping he was supposed to be Hillary Clinton, currently president now, and it's supposed to be her? But, oh, well, you know, hey, it's it's just funny that they do stuff like that. Um, what did you think about that whole scene where they have the video and they, they see what's going on? What did you think about that whole scene? Uh, you know, everybody's responses to it made sense. I didn't really give that scene too much thought, although I wasn't a big fan of Common. He was the uh, rear admiral guy, you know, the ball guy uh, on Linda Cardellini's side about sending the the SEAL team in. He just, when he acts, he's a bit boring and unemotional for me. Uh, Yeah. Um, I I get what you're saying about him. Uh, What was his name again? The actor? Common. Common. um, He was a rear admiral Fisk was his name, but Common is his rapping, is his performing name. Oh, his face is very glowering or is that the word Um, yeah i think so i understand what you're saying yeah and so he doesn't really he's not able to show emotion in yeah any other way it's just same thing in like john wick he just looked exactly the same yeah there was it was funny somebody uh one of my friends gave me a term that i had no clue existed but it's a term it's called resting bitch face oh okay Have 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 you heard of that I don't, yeah, I don't, yes, I know what that is. I don't think Common has that, but maybe it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. It's just because you're sitting there, you're looking, you just look like you're bad. Like nobody (laughs) wants to talk to you. Like I'm going to stay away from you right now because you don't look very pleasant. And so that kind of, he reminds reminds me of that. I gotcha. A lot. So I'm going to jump right into fast forward past over the lessons learned into the Monday morning quarterback because this scene was so irritating. I was like, oh, there's so many like, well, what about this? How come you didn't think of this? How come you didn't think of this? But the one big one for to to basically stop all this, can you think of what my Money Murray quarterback with this scene would be to help the entire movie? Uh, No, I can't. Take that stupid video of the Russian president being, um, you know, uh, having a coup and all that, because they can tell what's going on. Upload it to YouTube, send it over to Russia, and hey, be done with it. Yep. That's it. You're done. Why, why? Why not show anybody the movie or the, the video? True. Oh my goodness! And pull, so that pull your ships my brain back, like, your northern fleet, pull them back, show the video, and then just say, "Hey, we're not going to war with you." 
Yes, yeah. We hey, it's a rogue guy right now. Yeah, He's, you guys if, got problems. Handle it. Handle it. If he does act, we're going to react. But I'm letting you know beforehand. This is what's going on. How how hard could that be? Oh my goodness! You're absolutely right. That didn't even that idea didn't even occur to me. Well, the reason why they didn't do that is because we wouldn't have a movie then, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I understand what you're saying. That was that. You're right. Mrs. President should have automatically said, "Well, let's put this on YouTube and blast exactly. it out over CNN," you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, don't put it on CNN. Everybody, everybody calls it fake news now. Oh, really. that's so right. You got to put it like on YouTube. Just everything in YouTube is real, so you got to put it there. Oh, totally. Yep. Or TMZ. You put TMZ. it on YouTube and TMZ, and then the world will believe it. TMZ. They yep. would. Lo- oh, dude, it's so real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's what but it yeah, is. that's my Monday morning quarterback. And they were honestly in this movie. There were a few other instances, and I didn't write them down. That I was like, man, that's just illogical. Like there's other better ways to do it, but yeah. this was the glaring one that the movie would be done if they did that. Like everything else would be done. But um oh well. So let me ask you, what was your Monday morning quarterback? It was that Admiral Durov, he should not have let his men shoot the presidential guards and then leave them for dead in the water, right? Like you've got to shoot them, make sure they're dead, then move on. Like don't be a dumb Bond villain or Dr. Evil. You know what I mean? <laughs> Because at the end, the Navy SEALs got help from Oleg, part of the presidential detail. If they would have shot him and made sure he was dead, they probably would not have lost the president then, you know? And more more than likely, they would not have just, in general, any bad guy that's not in a movie would make sure this person's dead. Yes. And so, yes, you're absolutely right. I'm going to give you one more, and I completely agree with you, right there with you, um, give you one more Monday morning quarterback. Hmm. Why in the world did Gerard Depardieu not tell the Russian captain from the beginning, before they started shooting at him, hey, let's get you on the horn to talk to your guys and tell them you're in here and don't shoot us. That should have been like the first tactic, not after they find you and they come after you. Probably, yeah. You're right. If you're already using... Like you're already putting your trust in the captain to get you through that, uh, you know, through the straits right there without getting blown up. You might as well do that part too as well. But, well, uh, oh, I see what you're saying. So after they had been discovered, but, you know, after they got through the straits, that's when you're saying put him on the, put him on the, on the horn. As soon as they started, they knew, they realized, okay, they're coming after us now. Like bombs were dropping on them. Yeah. When the captain was said, they will not miss Okay, get you on the phone right now and call them up. <laughs> you yeah. know? Of course they're not going to miss. They were trained by you. You know every one of them. You know all their names individually. Call them up and tell them not to blow us up. Yeah. I did love the fact that they were not willing to shoot. And the one guy was even willing to, his current captain, take a bullet from his current captain uh, in the head in order to not kill uh, the, the other captain, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I was like, yeah, that's that's right on. But you can understand the current captain's predicament. You know, he was given orders and he's following orders. But at the same time, uh, uh, yeah. Um, My guess is, though, when that destroyer first left the dock, you saw the admiral talking with the captain. My guess is that captain was in cahoots with the coup. And then so he was happy to follow those orders. You know, he didn't mind killing the other captain in the in the submarine. It's not like he was just following orders from the president or from his boss. He was in support of the coup is my feeling there. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And because the only time that they actually shot down or, you know, 
because not giving the, or not following through with an order of blowing them up, that's one thing. But actually shooting down those missiles that are flying in, that was only after the president got on the phone and said, hey, we're, I'm here, I'm alive, and you better follow my orders, basically. I'm, you know? I'm glad you just mentioned that shooting the missiles down because um, I didn't see that coming. I, I had no idea how they, I, of course, you know that they're going to live in the end. I had no idea how it was going to happen. That was pretty surprising and awesome uh, when it happened for me. I loved it. I thought, I was like, yes, that's the way it should be done. That is super awesome. Yep. But you know what I got to say is when I came home, I watched the trailer and it's one of the worst trailers ever. Let me tell you. In the trailer, they tell you that there is a Russian coup, that there's a mission to free the Russian president. You see a SEAL team on the ground. You see the Russian captain helping Gerard Butler. Oh, my god. You goodness. see the surface to see missiles being shot down at the very end. You also see a warship or the destroyer shooting missiles out of the sky near the submarine. I mean, it, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, so yeah, why why watch the movie? It seems like just watch the trailer and you got the whole movie. Totally. 100% the trailer had the whole movie. So I'm really glad I didn't watch the trailer in so this one. is this the company that made Fast and Furious? No, this is a different. That was Universal. This one was, I don't remember the name, but I looked it up. It's not Universal. But it's another company who doesn't oh. mind giving away everything in the trailer. It's, it, I remember seeing the title. It was a part of Lionsgate. It's a Lionsgate company. That's right. Lionsgate. Yeah. Yes. Which okay. maybe they're owned by Universal too. I don't know, but that's ridiculous. So they gave that much stuff. I got to watch a trailer just because of that. Because I'd be able to watch the whole movie all over again in, in like uh, two <laughs> yep, minutes. You can relive the entire two hours and twenty minutes in three minutes. <laughs> yep, yep. All righty. So let's get to lessons learned. Uh, what's your first lesson? My first lesson is always take the shot when you have it. Mm. At any given time, you know, if you have a shot on a deer or if you have a shot on a bad guy or whatever it might be, when you have the shot, take the shot. Now, the when I was telling my story about me going out and hunting with my boys, there were two different instances that I actually had my, uh, no, sorry, one instance I had my rifle actually trained on the, um, the buck, but I didn't have a good shot. Like I wasn't in a stable position. I was literally standing up. I just saw them like 30 seconds before. So my heart was racing. And so the, the, um, uh, scope was just, or the the rifle uh, was was just kind of bouncing up and down because my heart was racing and I wasn't propped up. I was literally standing up. I wasn't prone. I was literally standing up, holding the rifle up. I didn't have a good shot and I didn't feel like it would be an ethical shot because I, I, I think I could have hit him well, but who knows? I might've, you know, my heart might've just beat one time too loud or too hard that I might've pulled it and shot him in the shoulder and he ran yeah. off and d- died somewhere. I wouldn't have got him. It would not be an eth- ethical shot. I want to have ethical shots where I, t- I dropped the just like I did. I was patient. I got the shot where he literally dropped right where I shot him, which is the, exactly what you want. He barely felt a thing. I mean, it was, it was, it was over in like a, a light, but, um, always take the shot when you have it, especially with you. If you have a recurve bow and you're trying to shoot across the lake, take the shot. You have the shot. If you know, you can make it make it. 100%. I agree with that lesson. I love it. Um, my first lesson is start off on the right foot with your new boss. Instead of being negative, Nancy, be the can do, will do, go to guy for your boss. Um, because that XO Edwards, he started off on the wrong foot right from the beginning when he said, when when the captain said, hey, get the men back. And he goes, it's going to be impossible to find the men. Come on, dude. They've been off the boat for a few hours. Exactly. Men and women. Get it straight, XO. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. 100%. Like his first, his first command given to him was, no, let me question it. Well, my goodness. Yeah. Oh. 
terrible. Yeah. I'm I'm finding a new XO as soon as possible right there. Yes, absolutely. And you're 100% right. When If I ever have a job again, which I'm almost 100% certain I will never have a job again because I have all my real estate and I'm blessed to be able to have passive income coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, if I ever did need a job, I would be that 100% go-to guy. And I've always been every single job I've had. You know, hey, can you get this done? All right, I'll take care of it. Yep. Um, and if it's not unethical or illegal or immoral, I, I'll do it. I'll make sure it gets done. Totally. Uh, but yeah, great. And that's a good way to make sure that you are seen well in the eyes of your boss. Yeah, without a doubt. Okay. My next one, and this goes into, we were talking about females being on the on the uh, submarine and everything. My second one is never... Under any under any circumstances whatsoever, join the Navy. You may be put into a tin can and never see the sun again for like months. True that. That's not my kind of position for sure. Oh man, I could never ever be on a submarine. I yeah. I'm definitely an outdoors person. Like if I'm going to be anything, it's going to be um, Army. Not probably not Air Force. I'm probably not smart enough to be on the Air Force. But um, Marines maybe because you do get a you know play in the water. But um, man, I'm definitely I'm outdoors and you know seeing the sun, breathing the air, doing all that good stuff. So never I I, I could never see myself in a submarine. I walked through um, a submarine once and I was like, let me get out of here. I got to get out of here right now. All right. So my second lesson is cooler heads will prevail. So try to keep your head about you and look at the situation objectively. And that's what Linda Cardellini's character did the whole time. She kept her cool. She saw options for them. And she uh, basically her with the rear admiral, they worked to help avert an entire war. Whereas Gary Oldman's character, he was already kind of on edge from that earlier meeting with the other Joint Chiefs of Ch- uh, Chiefs of Staff, where they were talking about, you know, things are heating up with Russia and we're in danger and we might be going to war and blah, blah, blah. He did not have a cool head going into the situation. She kept cool the whole time. And so I, I like to see how those two, I liked seeing how those two characters reacted to the situation differently. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that's a great lesson learned. And you and I just were talking like five seconds before we started recording this about you working possibly with with um, a well-known poker player. Like you teach poker, but a well-known poker player came and asked you for help. And um, my initial thought was, and I usually am um, not like this. I'm usually answer really quickly. Like just try to get, get in contact with them. But I have forced myself over time, learn to be patient and be of cool, have a cool mind, not obviously in anger. It's a whole different ball game. Um, and you're absolutely right there, but it applies in anger where you're, um, you know, you're, you're excited, whatever. If you have more patience, if you're able to think and have a cooler head rather than, you know, excitement or anger, if you have more time to think or you, you force yourself to think a little more, you might ha- come up, and I think you would come up with a better scenario than if you just react. Because I personally love to be proactive where you think you have more or you think ahead. So you have so many more options rather than being reactive. You maybe have one or two options. You know, one is either attack or retreat. If you're reacting, if you're proactive, you have many options before you. So you're absolutely right. Be, you know, cooler hells will prevail and be patient and not react. Totally. Yeah. Thanks. All right. So my third lesson is start a YouTube account right away. Mm, that's a good lesson, actually. <laughs> Absolutely. So here's a couple of trains of thought. Number one, if you get anything on video, you can upload it to YouTube and it's there and anybody can access it. Um, and so in case you're in trouble, 
you can up, you know, if you're recording a video, you can upload to the YouTube, but you can also do a live stream and it's yeah. immediately captured. So let's say you're in trouble and somebody's chasing you down and you really need to record something. You need to get it out. Cause you know, if you just record it on your phone, the guy, bad guy could grab your phone and you know, um, <laughs> the video is gone, but you can literally upload it right then and there and have it to where anybody, Hey, you know, what happened to Dusty? Well, let me go to uh, just be check around everything he's been doing. Oh, he uploaded a video the same like five minutes before he died. <laughs> you know, let's watch that. So start a YouTube channel so you have that ready in case you need it. Mm, that's a good idea. You know, there was a recent news story where a woman was murdered and her Fitbit told them basically who did it because her father-in-law was at her house up until like 2.30 p.m., her Fitbit, the heartbeat on her Fitbit ended or died or, or yeah, ended at like 2.28. And her father was there till 2.30. And so they knew, bam, you were the one who did it, buddy. You killed your own daughter-in-law. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, crazy, huh? That is very crazy. Yep. So wear a Fitbit as, as well as start a YouTube channel. <laughs> All right, so here's my third lesson, and I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, kind of emulate a line from one of my favorite movies, Hot Shots Part Two. Here's the lesson: loyalty. It's fantastic. <laughs> so in Hot Shots Part Two, Miguel Ferrer said, "War. It's fantastic." So that's mine because Captain Andropov, he must be a killer commanding officer because his his men were so loyal to him they disobeyed a direct order from their current captain in order to not kill captain andropov so that was awesome he must have been a really good captain really inspired his men he was probably loyal to them as well and trained them really well yes very very good i completely agree now there is another am i watching so i'm watching another thing called man in the high castle have you seen it i've heard about it never seen it i think in this because it's it's three series or sorry, three seasons long so far. And I think in one of it, it talks about loyalty being overrated. Um, but obviously the scenario is different. You got Nazi Germany and all that sort of stuff. And um, But at the same time, I completely agree with you. Wait a but, second. Loyalty is overrated. So what's better, fear in their eyes? I, If I remember correctly, it's something like that. Yeah. 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 Well, so, that's bunk. I so I'm right there with you. I think loyalty. Well, there was another great movie. Have you, I think you've seen it? It's called um, not Rumble in the Bronx, but A Bronx Tale. Have you seen that one? A long time ago, man. I don't. I barely remember it. Yeah, Didn't Robert they have De Niro, Brad Pitt and De Niro. Yeah, Robert De Niro, Chaz Palminteri. I love Ooh. that guy as an actor. But uh, the main character, who's a, like a teenager, he asked Chaz Palminteri, who's a gangster. He asks him a question. He said, is it, to better, is it better to be loved or feared? And Chaz Palminteri, who's the gangster, he says, I choose fear. Because fear, you would always, and I'm, I'm going to misquote it, but they will always be worried about you. They always respect you. They will always um, be concerned about you because they're afraid. And then you have the opposite side of the coin is loved. Whereas it seems like this captain, the Russian captain was more loved and not feared. It seemed like to me, you know, they weren't scared. They were like, oh, this is our command. Like, this is the guy. This is the guy who trained us and all that sort of stuff. So I'm right there with you. Yeah, but Chaz Palminteri missed a critical thing. If if people are fearful of you, they have a bigger reason to betray you and kill you. I completely agree. So fear now, uh-uh. I mean, yeah, sure. Go ahead and believe that, but I'm not going to live my life that way. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool beans. So, anything else before we uh, before we move on, Dust? No. Oh, what uh, was your what score would you give this movie? Oh yeah. So, 
I would give this because I would possibly rewatch it again. Mm-hmm. And it's not below a 70 in my opinion, because I enjoyed it. I had yeah. lots of suspense. There were a couple of little quirks in there. Like I mentioned that were a little irritating, but I gave it an 81. Yeah, I'm right there. I give it an 80, man, because nice. just like you said, those small little things just bring it down. But I still highly recommend this to anybody who likes any kind of military action or suspense type movie. Yeah, very, very good. I really like this. So what would you keep as the prop? Uh, my prop would be, and it's it's probably the same <laughs> prop as you, I would keep Captain Joe Glass's coin. Yes, that's that's easily the or um that's one but you, like you said we can keep the bigature of the submarine well there here. you go <laughs> put that in your in your living room it's, it takes up the entire wall that would be nice but <laughs> the, the second thought was the submersible drone because that's pretty cool to have a submersible drone you know yeah now me being a hunter the mm-hmm. other thought came to mind was that recurved bow that he had it was a pretty sweet bow oh that's a good idea yes yeah that would be pretty nice to have. But yeah, for me... And then you could coin. go as Legolas next Halloween as well. I, <laughs> yes, I could. I'm, I'm not as good looking, but uh, I could try. I could put None on None of us are. Oh my I gosh. Know. <laughs> Watching those movies again and reading this book, it brought me back... Uh, you know, Lord of the Rings movies came out in early 2000. Like 16 years ago, the first one came out. The first time everybody was introduced to Legolas and Orlando Bloom, he was like the guy that every teenage... 20 year old 30 probably 40 year old woman loved him when he first came uh came to the big screen well from there he went on to pirates of the caribbean and yep yeah i mean he's dropped off the map at least i haven't seen him in a while but yes absolutely yeah 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 no one's as good looking as him man <laughs> well yep. i beg to differ val kilmer is pretty good there you go we've talked about val before you're right yes yes i i've been watching uh psych have you seen the tv show psych i i've no uh-uh. i've watched a few episodes here and there but i was never a big fan did oh really mm-hmm. oh okay well it it's it reminds me of like us growing up you know they they kind of they do a lot of references to 80s stuff oh. and it was hilarious like i'm all the time like the um the two main characters they'll dress up as like hall and oats or um a gus will dress up as michael jackson and um uh, Sean will dress up as one of the Duran Duran guys, oh. you know, things like, and they also have all these references to things in the past, like in the eighties. And so what was funny was there was a, an innocuous date. Um, I can't remember what date it was, but just pick any date, like July 28th or something like that. And there was like this, um, spelling bee, or there was some event going on and Sean knew about it. He's like, Oh yeah, that's that date. And the guy goes, what, how would you know that date? He, and he goes, Easy. It's Val Kilmer's birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's awesome. (laughs) I'd never heard that before. I've got to do that. I've got to know. Okay. So I have to know. I have to learn Val Kilmer's birth date. I have to learn Jackie Chan's birth date. And I have to learn uh, probably Chuck Norris's birth date. If I learn those, then I can reference everything, anything that happens (laughs) in the future around them. (laughs) You can. (laughs) Yeah. April. Wow. That's when Chuck Norris was born. (laughs) You know. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. I'll have to do that. Cool. Yep. Yep. So anything else about Hunter Killer that we failed to mention? No. I I got everything out. I thought it was a good movie. And I would say it's definitely in my factor of rewatchable to not rewatchable. It's definitely a rewatchable factor. Oh, yeah, I am right there with you. So, Dust, this week was your choice because I wanted specifically to choose the movie for next week. So, next week, Fathom Events, they're the ones who released Transformers the movie a few weeks ago. Um, They're constantly putting out old movies in theaters again. 
Next week, Fathom Events is replaying Die Hard in theaters. So my choice for next week is obviously going to be Die Hard. That is my favorite Christmas movie. Yes. yes. Let's do it. Let's yeah, do it. totally, totally. So now that you know how we feel about Hunter Killer, we would love to hear your thoughts. And not just your thoughts on the movie, but also any life lessons that you took away from it. So you can go to the show notes page at watchandlearnpodcast.com slash pod 22. You can go there, leave a comment at the bottom of the page, look at our list of life lessons learned, review that terrible official trailer that was put out, and some screenshots from the movie as well. And of course, please visit our Watch and Learn podcast Facebook page where you can comment as well. So thank you very much for listening, and we will return next week with Die Hard.